Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're going to talk about the U.S. office market. We'll look at how 2013 numbers shaped up. We'll also take a look at a forecast for 2014. We'll also look at some user strategies for this point in the real estate cycle and the economic cycle. Please welcome my first guest, Walter Page, Director of Research for Office for PPR and the CoStar Group. Walter, thanks for joining us in Studio One today. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you, you being here today. And first of all, if you could start us out, how did the office market perform overall in the U.S. in 2013? So for 2013, the office market performed as we expected, which for an office forecaster is a great thing. Uh, office markets for the first time since 2007 cracked the 3% uh, rent growth metric, 3.1% uh, on a national basis. That's the metric that uh, people often use for Argus modeling. We saw office vacancy rates decline 50 basis points to 11.9%, and we saw about 59 million square feet of net absorption, which was over a 20% increase in net absorption versus 2012. Uh, all in all, it was a good year and a very broad base. Uh, only three markets across the country had negative net absorption for the year. So it was, it was a very good year uh, for uh, office markets across the country. Well, that's a nice trend to see. So that's the best year since uh, pre-recession, right? Yes. Increase, increases in rates. Wow. Yes. That's Everything, nice. Everything's starting to right the ship and, and becoming closer to what I would call the uh, long-term average. The long-term average vacancy rate is 11.4%. We're at 11.9. Mm -hmm. As we move towards that long-term average, things are going to feel better for uh, owners of real estate. It'll feel more normal, and I think that's what we're entering in right now. Okay. What about Class A versus Class B office space? Was there much difference there in performance last year? So the flight to quality continues, and, and maybe even more than we expected. Uh, flight Class A space, what we call four and five star space in our metrics, uh, generated net demand growth at about 1.9%. That was four times faster than the Class B space. So a significant uh, source of demand for Class A space. And Class C space, no net demand. In fact, we saw about 20 million square feet of removals across the market. So the demand numbers were, were very weak. What that means is that if you're an owner of real estate and you have Class B space and you can improve it to Class A space, you're more likely to be able to lease it up. Uh, that's really what we're seeing is the demand is very, very strong for the, the best quality space. Well, that's interesting because you know, it looks like a lot of the companies, a lot of the users uh, have been able to move up in quality as well. I know we see some of the tenants that we work with that go to C, C to B and, and B to A. You know, so uh, it's interesting to see that. Well, uh, what about central business district versus suburban markets? What do you see there overall around the country? So that may be one of the few surprises in the marketplace. Um, central business districts are generally a place where people want to be and things like that. But you know where the net absorption is? 90% right. of it is in the suburban markets. Hmm. Now, to be fair, 73% of the space is in the suburban markets. So you would expect there to be more net absorption in suburban markets than in CBDs. But the question is why? Well, CBDs have some things that are not doing so well in terms of the economy. 
think of uh, government not necessarily doing all that well uh, the legal sector we're having space consolidation and then the suburban markets have things that are doing exceptionally well for for one technology is mainly located in suburban markets so San Jose is mainly a suburban market a lot of places uh, like Austin and Boston and places like that have most of the technology employment in the suburban markets and then we also see that the suburban markets are uh, the housing recovery is helping those markets significantly so a, a continue a shift now one thing I must say is that job I mean um, increases in rents have been focused to CBD markets about 3.5 to almost 4% on average while the suburban markets have trailed that by about a percentage point. Okay, that's interesting. We're talking with Walter Page with the CoStar about the office market. And, and so, Walter, these are great trends for the office market, better than we've had for, for several years. What do you expect moving forward into 2014? So for 2014, we think it will be the best point in this market cycle for occupancy recoveries. This past year, we had a 50 basis point recovery in occupancy rates. We expect to see uh, 60 to 70 basis points of occupancy recovery. With that occupancy recovery, we expect to see significant increases in rent. Now, last year we had 3.1. We're not gonna return to the days of rent spikes on a national basis. In 2007, we had over an 8% increase in rents. We're forecasting more in the magnitude of 3.5 to 4% rent growth on a nationwide basis. Now, some markets are gonna do better than others. Technology markets continue to do very well. Housing recovery markets are now finally turning the corner, but it's going to be pretty broad base. Uh, markets like Denver, Seattle, uh, even Atlanta are all turning the corner and, and doing uh, much better than what they were in the past and likely to in the future. Okay. Well, one would expect that the uh, improvement in fundamentals in the office sector would also increase the sales velocity, the investment sales in particular. How did sales volume perform in the office market in 2013? So we see a sector shift towards office investment uh, and somewhat of a sector shift away from the multifamily sector. Overall, office sales volumes for the year are up in the magnitude of 10 to 20 percent. Now, uh, and in particular, if you look at the fourth quarter of this past year, office sales volumes are up are basically even with a year ago. Now we had a whole bunch of tax law changes at, at the end of last year or at the end of 2011, that 2012, that might have caused some things. But if you look at office compared to all other property types, all the other property types are down about 20%. So we're seeing a, a shift towards office. And what that's relating to is also an increase in office values. On average, office values are up 5 to 10% uh, from a year ago. So clearly the market is anticipating a good recovery in the office market. Now those increased values, Walter, because of the increase in OIs or some of it uh, cap rate and buyer demand, what did you see for cap rates for various types of or classes of office properties in 2013? So first thing, the, there is a crush of capital to real estate and, and that is uh, very evident. However, that crush of capital was mainly focused to the first half of the year. In the second half of the year, what we did see is that the impact of rising in interest rates were a significant factor. And so the net result is that the cap rates over the past six months have basically 
basically been stable. We've also been seeing that there's been a shift to second-tier markets. Uh, so instead of being in New York and San Francisco, investors are more willing to invest in markets like Atlanta and Seattle and Denver and, and places like that. So those are some of the big picture trends that we see. And what are some of the other cities that, uh, you know, you think of the big five where investors have been focused, uh, you say there's more second tier uh, interest. What, what are some cities that might surprise people that are seeing more sales volume for office sector? Well, actually, one of the places that have seen a lot of sales volume is, is Atlanta, mm-hmm. is picking up um, places like Tampa, uh, uh, Central Florida. Uh, in, in general, we see a general expansion to a lot of the second tier markets. And you said there was uh, three cities, I guess, that had negative absorption, and I guess they probably had sales uh, velocity drop as well. What are some of the cities that are having a little bit more of a struggle? Okay, well, the three cities that had uh, negative net absorption, Minneapolis, uh, New Orleans, and, and Tampa, but the, the places that actually have the more uh, significant distress happen to be uh, northern uh, New Jersey. And that is because of the drug companies curtailing uh, what they're, you know, investing in, or actually they're curtailing their business because the pharmaceutical patents have expired. And so we're seeing millions of square feet being put back on the market by these people, and the vacancy rates are elevated. Well, sounds like an exciting year for the office sector in 2014. Walter, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. If you like more from Walter Page and CoStar, visit CoStar.com. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the office market, including a, a market participant from a REIT. We'll also have a broker. We'll share some office use strategies for office users in 2014 at this time in the economy and this time in the commercial real estate sector. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, last week we covered trends in commercial real estate development. And the week before that, I shared my top 10 success strategies for commercial brokers. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. Just grab your phone, tablet, or computer, visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the U.S. office market. Please welcome my next guest, Jim Bacata, VP with Highwoods, a publicly traded REIT which owns or has an interest in 305 properties encompassing approximately 33.1 million square feet and 589 acres of development land. Jim, welcome to Studio One. Thanks, Michael. Good to be here. Well, we appreciate uh, you coming in the studio today. And uh, Jim, at Highwoods, you guys own properties all over the southeast, and you said you own properties in Pittsburgh and 
in Kansas City. You know, we heard from Walter Page, and he said that you know 2013 was some the best numbers for for the office sector that he's seen since pre-recession years, with improvements in rates and and occupancy and absorption. So, but you're on the ground level. You're you're, you're seeing the the tenants. You're you're running these buildings. Uh, uh, and Howard's has them all over the all over the country. What do you see as a market participant? What's really going on? Well, Walter's got it right. Uh, this is definitely a good uh, mm -hmm. market for landlords, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've seen generally in most of our markets um, three years or close to three years of net positive absorption. Mm -hmm. And this uh, January has probably been the busiest that I can remember, honestly, in ten years. So it's very good. I don't know. I don't think that's just us. I, I talk to a lot of brokers and. And uh, most of the brokers are really running hard. It's good. We're, we're, we're in really good conditions right now. Yeah, that's excellent. I heard the same thing at a, at a large meeting of CCIMs last night, that everyone's excited, everyone's busy, and, uh, you know, that, that's a good sign. And, and most of your properties are, are uh, Class A office, right? That's correct. Yeah. And, well, and that's where everybody wants to be now, right? That's yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, there's been a kind of a flight to quality over the last five years, especially during the recession and and when folks could get a better product for you know just maybe a little more money if they were in a b building and and uh the the a product um, has definitely benefited mm -hmm. um and now we're seeing good net positive absorption in the in the b category as well so uh, the market is is healthy it's getting better yeah that's great well what are you seeing then for rates and incentives and uh tenant build out allowances uh today well, we're seeing uh, some some modest rent growth, um, and I think it's it's uh, I think I think more rent growth is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. So it's good for for landlords. Um, tenant uh, improvement dollars are are down a little bit. Concessions are definitely down. So net effective rates are are popping uh, for landlords. And you know, all those come into the, the equation, and uh, uh, I think. Uh, we're, you know, it's just simple. It's supply and demand, Michael. You know that. I mean, it's uh, as the supply diminishes, uh, the demand, uh, even if it stays the same, um, prices go up, net effective rents go up. And that's really what we're seeing now. And, and I think most, uh, uh, you know, uh, the CoStar folks would, would agree. I mean, they're, they're projecting um, rent growth and, and most of the markets, particularly in the, in the southeast where most of our markets are. Right. Well, that's a good point. I mean, even with tepid job growth, uh, we've seen a recovery in the office market, albeit we'd all like it a little faster. We're starting to see some some good recovery, aren't we? And, and a lot of that's because of the lack of new construction. Well, you know, there's been no construction for five years in most markets. And you combine that with steady uh, progress and, and job creation is the key. And, and that's happening, especially in the Sun Belt and in the southeast. So, so uh, it's happening in, in, you know, most major cities are seeing at least some uh, job creation. It, we're not nationally we're not booming as far as job growth goes but um, you combine the you know uh, the, the the lack of new construction and new development over the last five years and honestly there aren't even starts in the works right now so we're going to see you know another year or two of a dearth of supply of new supply that that's just going to exacerbate the pressure on on rates and and concessions will go down tenant uh, improvement packages will go down and and, and, and rates will increase. So for most of your properties, are, are you back to, say, more normal incentives and, and, uh, and TI packages in, in most of your buildings? Yeah. I, and or I, is I, there a normal? I, I think, <laughs> yeah, is there a normal? It's always fluctuating. See, it seems yeah. to always be going in one direction or the other. Yeah. And we've just come off the bottom. So, we're, you know, I've got a ways to go to get to where we're really going to be happy landlords. Yeah. But we're definitely uh, 
seeing uh, improvements, and uh, I think it will continue. And uh, I don't want to become irrationally exuberant because mm -hmm. I think we're nationally, the economy is still, you know, very, you know, tepid, and it's, it seems to be. We see growth in certain markets. It's not everywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the availability of office space right now. If uh, if there's a corporate user out there listening or, or a tenant rep with a large corporate user that uh, maybe is looking for a headquarter size um, office space, in what cities and what markets uh, could you accommodate them uh, very well today? Um, you know, Tampa and Atlanta, we have some big blocks available, 100,000 or a little more. Um, the uh, 100,000 feet, you know, we've got in, in most of our markets, we've got smaller blocks, 50,000, 30,000 feet available. Um, but, you know, there's activity. There's a substantial amount of activity and the bigger blocks are, are going to, they're going to be gone in, yeah. within a year. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, we've got development land in, in all of our markets. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see some build suits triggered or some, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70% pre-leases um, triggered in, in some of our markets as a result of supply diminishing. Okay. And when these large tenants with these corporate headquarters types of tenants are looking for cities to locate and properties to locate, uh, what do you see that makes them most interested in, in your building or your city where your property, what, what are they looking at? Well, I think uh, they're looking for recruiting advantages. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they want to be in a city that's attractive, that has you know, a, a reasonable cost of living or a lower cost of living. They're looking for a city that has an educated workforce. They're looking for, um, you know, Atlanta has a big advantage with its airport, um, biggest airport in the, in, the, in the world with direct flights everywhere. Um, these are the kind of factors that, that uh, uh, weigh on a CEO's mind. And what are some of the other ways that uh, you at Highwoods are attracting tenants today? Uh, what are some, some tips? Are you doing anything new, or is it kind of the old tried and true? Yeah, we're doing, uh, I, think, I think the biggest thing we're doing is, is uh, you know, we're a well-capitalized real estate investment trust, so we're fortunate and we have the funds and the wherewithal to imp make improvements where we need them. If we have a big building or a big uh, space that, that opens up, we're taking a very careful look at the building, at the amenity package. Does it, does it, does it need amenities? Does it need a, a sprucing up of a fitness center? Does it even have a fitness center? Conference rooms, common areas. Um, users are now looking for more we space, like, like you know, uh, versus uh, me space. They're looking for um, lounges and, and uh, training rooms and conference centers. And so we, you know, are fortunately able to uh, deploy capital to uh, enhance buildings as needed. And, and we've had really good success doing that in the last couple of years. Well, that's smart. And I guess, have you taken some of your buildings from what somebody might consider a B to an A? We class? absolutely have done that. Yeah. Where we've, we've had, you know, we've got a, in, at least a couple of examples. I won't get into specifics, but a 30-year-old building that happens to be in an infill location, very well located, has structured parking, but maybe we haven't, you know, it just hasn't needed a lot of uh, attention or hasn't been given a lot of attention because we had a long-term tenant in there and, and they just were happy with what they had. We've come in and we've spruced them up, new finishes, new lobbies, um, added amenities, and it's amazing the uh, response that the market has, has given us to those, those improvements. Well, that's fantastic. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we'll talk about some trends in office uh, tenant clauses, lease clauses, and in tenant build-outs. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. 
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up for you, including updates on the retail and multifamily markets. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the office market. We have Jim Bacata here with Highwoods in Studio One. And, and Jim, in the last several years, flexibility for tenants has been of paramount interest to tenants and uh, and one of the clauses that seems to give landlords and lenders and investment brokers like myself uh, fits is when tenants have these uh, early termination rights in their leases. Uh, what are you seeing today related to these kind of flexibility clauses? Well landlords hate termination options. Yeah. Um, what do you really have in your rent roll? If there are a bunch of, if it's riddled with termination options it's uh, you know it diminishes the value of your asset and and uh, you know, just a, something that we have been bullied around, uh, frankly, over the last five years in the recession. Um, and I can understand uh, the tenant side because you know, with the uncertainty in the economy, they, they want to have options. Um, but as the economy has strengthened, I think they're backing off a little and we're feeling a little stronger in our position. And we're, uh, you know, we're, just, we're saying no. I mean, you know, sometimes we'll allow it, but, but um, depends on the circumstances, depends on the investment that we're making in the space. Right. If we make a big investment in TI, you know, if there's going to be any kind of termination option, it's going to be out at least five years, seven years, and there's going to be a pretty steep penalty to pay. So we're feeling a little, you know, like we're in a little stronger position now. And, and, uh, um, and you know, the, the world's changing a little bit with uh, the dynamics of the market today and absorption. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're just, uh, we, we, but we hate them. Every, every landlord hates them. Yeah. Yeah, we do too. I mean, uh, we we had a, a seller come to us recently for for a good size office building, and he had a, a, a tenant that was in eighty percent of the space with a termination option, which basically rendered the building almost unsellable. I mean, yeah, you could just kind of pretty heavily, and of course, sell it, but uh, the risk of that tenant moving was huge, yeah. and it was unfinanceable. Yeah, you know, um, so that can be pretty devastating, can it? It can be, yeah. and I, I think. Uh, you know, I think both sides are coming around to a little more realistic uh, position now. I think um, uh, I think uh, we're going to see a continued diminished uh, uh, component uh, of uh, of uh, you know termination options are you know there's you're going to have them you know some big multinational companies mm -hmm. that you know it's their policy and they're just not going to take space. Mm -hmm. um, but if they hold that position a little too firmly. They're going to get shut out of the market in some cases. Yeah, and there's other ways to, to work around those situations with for tenants. And we're going to have a 30-year experience tenant rep on the show in the next couple segments. So we'll talk about some ideas there. And, and Jim, while, while we have you here, I mean, you see uh, kind of the latest in interior buildouts and and design features. What are you seeing out there today on uh, tenant buildouts? Uh, finishes are becoming a lot more hip, a lot more contemporary. We're seeing. Um, a lot more open spaces and more workstations, but in compensating for the reduced me space, we're seeing a little bit of more we space, which is you know sort of collaborative areas. Um, people are connected today with technology, with their iPhones, their iPads, their laptops, and we're putting Wi-Fi in 
a lot of the, these uh, sort of Wii spaces and, mm-hmm. and, and lounges and conference rooms, training centers. Um, the, the things are really changing. Finishes are changing. You rarely see that old traditional office build out that uh, so many law firms you know, use in, in the past. Even the law firms are going very contemporary. And I think it's, it's part of gearing their space to a younger workforce. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any pushback yet from, from some of these open spaces and, uh, and uh, less square footage per employer? Any issues from some of these employers and tenants? Yeah, we're seeing more and more open space. And yeah. Some, some uh, of our customers still want a, a traditional, you know, uh, more office, individual offices um, in their design, but it's rare that we see a plan without some element of open space yeah you know we're in a highwoods building and uh, we love it here and uh you know, we love having you <laughs> thanks and, and we have the same thing we have a big coffee shop area which faces the studio one that we're in here today and and there's a lounge over here with open space yep. and a lot of water space is, is really typical of yeah. what people want today yeah and uh, it's expensive but you know it really uh, i think it's going to stand the test of time and mm-hmm. it just feels good walking into your space feels terrific and mm-hmm. and we're seeing more and more of that yeah that's great well, before you go, can you give us a tip maybe for uh, some tenants and, and tenant reps out there related to what's going on in the marketplace? You know, activities is up mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing the, the effects of no development over the last five years. And uh, with steady positive net absorption over the past few years and, and, and a supply constrained, I think the best advice I can give to tenant rep brokers is make sure your client understands that the market is changing and for them that they're going to have to be decisive they can't drag out a negotiation for six months anymore they got to be able to make quick decisions or they're going to get shut out yeah that's a good point you can't get complacent and think we're in the same market we've been in for five years we're yeah. jim thanks for joining us today we appreciate you being here a pleasure to be here michael for more thanks. from jim and highwoods visit highwoods.com i'm michael bull this is the commercial real estate show we'll be right back The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, you're invited to check out the Commercial Real Estate Show on YouTube. You know, the show is broadcast on 12 radio stations around the country. So if you're on the radio, check out the YouTube channel. You'll find a great selection of videos like Reese on Real Estate. We also did a video on the Fed's view of commercial real estate. You're invited to subscribe to the channel so you don't miss a show of special interest to you. Just visit YouTube and search for the channel Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're talking about the office market. Please welcome my next guest, Stuart Cott, President, Corporate Office Services with Bull Realty, a U.S. commercial brokerage firm headquartered in Atlanta. Stuart has 30 years' experience assisting landlords and tenants with their office space leasing and consulting. Stuart, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, we appreciate it, Stuart. And, uh, you know, as you're working with tenants and their, their office space requirements, what are you seeing in the marketplace for available space? Uh, is there still plenty for them to choose from? Well, not as much as there has been in the recent past. And yeah. I think that's a result of the, the market's only seen increased residential, multi-tenant residential construction. So there hasn't been a lot of commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, that leads to a, a tighter supply 
and the demand supply curve leaning to the favor of uh, the landlords simply because there's more demand than there is supply. Right. And I know you work with some pretty large uh, corporate uh, users with uh, uh, large office space, and you've worked with some smaller uh, tenants as well. So I imagine the, the tightness is really mainly for these larger tenants, right? Well, it is, but it's, it's also for the smaller tenants. Yeah. It it's simply is there, there's not enough space left yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, but certainly the larger tenants are more challenged. Yeah, okay. Well, when it comes to lease packages that you see in the marketplace today, uh, what do you see for um, rates and, and incentives and free rent and tenant improvement dollars? Uh, you know, uh, as you heard Jim Bacchetta said, that it's getting a little bit more of a landlord's market. You know, what do you see as a tenant rep? Well, as a tenant rep, we, we do see it being more challenged. Mm-hmm. However, um, good tenants with good credit can still find good packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean they're as generous as they were in, in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's simply a reflection of the market. But learning how to construct the right package is really what's most important. Yeah, what's most important to the tenant, right? Correct. Right. And I guess a lot depends on what the tenant credit, uh, the length of the lease, the size of, the, of their space, and I guess right down to the submarket and the building, right? Oh, correct. Absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. The, uh, the most important feature for a tenant is credit. Mm-hmm. And actually, I should say the most important feature for the landlord is credit because that's what they're looking at. Yeah. Um, the larger tenants certainly have the most leverage. Uh, but even smaller tenants can fit into a, to a space that the landlord's having a hard time leasing. It may be a unique space in the building. And with good credit, they also can have increased leverage and increased right. concessions. Right. It's like the, the CCIM questions, and I ask a question, and the answer is, well, it depends. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Stuart, when you're working with some of these large tenants and they're leasing in a new city, what are some of the considerations these tenants take into to account when they're choosing a new location? Well, depending upon the size of the tenant, obviously, mm-hmm. but, but often it is simply the availability of space. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, certainly the con- particular market, the, the, the standard of living, the cost of living, uh, very f- large tenants are very focused often on the, their employees. Is there the ability to hire in any particular market? Um, interestingly enough, although they'll deny it, uh, the chief executive usually makes the decision, where do I live? <laughs> and that has a, a big consideration quite frankly. Uh, Concession packages certainly are uh, force landlords to make, excuse me, force tenants to make certain decisions in terms of what is the cost of living there, not just for the first five or 10 years, but the next 20, 25 years. Yeah. And some of the tenants you've worked with uh, have been very large tenants, and and they're also looking at incentives from from the city, right? Correct. Well, not just from the city, state, Mm -hmm. city, and even local, even county. Um, their tax incentives is really what what they are and that affects the cost of their um, their tenancy for for certainly on the upfront but it certainly can be for years to come because much of those concessions are how many new employees will this tenant bring to the city for Mm -hmm. the tax base yeah yeah that's interesting when you take advantage of the tax credits and the other tax incentives that that these cities can can give you when they're trying to lure a big employer right clearly and and the competition is statewide and there's usually a handful of the same states that are competing for the large deals right well let's talk about some of the issues that you see today with termination options for tenants and other lease clauses that you think are more interesting to tenants today well, the termination option is the hardest to, to, to get for a tenant. Um, it affects the landlord's cash flow, mm-hmm. very simply stated. And if there is a termination option negotiated prior to a lease expiration, it's going to be quite costly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and if the landlord has put in a, a great deal of upfront money, uh, the, the, the cost can just be almost impossible to, to complete. Um, that being said, a way for a tenant to, to access a good termination option if they can uh, relate it to their ability to grow in the building. Mm -hmm. uh, often we, we can get a, a termination option that's based on can a tenant grow by 50% or more, and if the landlord can't provide that, then it's an easier negotiation for the tenant. So there's lots of ways to give a, a tenant the flexibility they need that uh, they could somehow be worked out with most landlords, right? Correct. And yeah. flexibility is a, a key term yeah. because the flexibility is not just in termination option. It's in growth. It's in the, the ability to relocate in the building. It's in the ability to have good sublease clauses. Mm -hmm. So flexibility is something that is often overlooked from a tenant standpoint, but it needs to be addressed up front. Well, that's a good point. I, I think you make a good point there because you know, a lot of times the tenant gets focused on, on rent and, and incentives, and then sometimes they're not looking at some of those important clauses in the lease that a tenant rep like you that you know, has 30 years of experience doing this all over the country, you've kind of foreseen things that might come up that they might not have thought about, right? Correct. That's our job. Yeah, that's, that's what exactly you do. Exactly right. All right, we're going to take a short break here. When we get back, we'll talk more with a tenant rep about the office market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit commercialrealestateshow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show, where we're excited to announce a new service on the show. It's called Ask Michael Bull. Every business day, I answer a listener's question on video. You can check it out at their Twitter account, Ask Michael Bull, or on the YouTube channel, Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing the U.S. office market. My guest is Stuart Cott with uh, Bull Realty. And, and Stuart, how far in advance of a lease expiration or our option should tenants of various sizes start the process? Well, I think it, you hit on the key word, various sizes. Mm -hmm. The smaller tenants, literally, we can, you can do this deal, in, or a deal, I should say, in four to six months. Mm -hmm. Less than that's challenging. Mm -hmm. um, with a larger tenant, especially a relocation to a new city, you're talking about 18 months if the product's up, mm -hmm. maybe three years if it hasn't broken ground yet. Um, so there's a lot of pre-programming that is being that gets done with a larger tenant. So there's an advantage there. But the simple logistics of size make it a, a much longer term. Right. Okay. And uh, Stuart, what would you say are the top three mistakes that tenants out there should avoid in a new lease or, or a renewal? Um, the first thing I think most tenants don't understand is how their leverage works. Um, how the leverage works with financial terms, what their credit is, how important their credit is, um, how important the, the total package is and where the package comes from. Uh, for example, uh, a, a point of not understanding that the upfront costs, the, 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 the rent and let's say the abated rent uh, is always focused on and the focus is, should be also on the tenant improvement language, uh, the tenant improvement dollars, the escalation provisions. Uh, the option language. We, we can find more dollars in some of those usually not focused uh, points of a lease than most tenants understand. Mm -hmm. So we have to focus on that. We have to direct our, our, our leverage to that. Um, 
and not understanding also and developing an exit strategy. The exit strategy may be a termination option, but it also may be a timing issue. When do they understand, when do they give notice? Why do they give notice? Um, how long will it take for them to renegotiate a renewal? Um, and is there arbitration provisions in it? So all of those points are, are big considerations that often don't get addressed properly. So it sounds like there's a lot of planning before you, you get started in the process to kind of look forward and, and see what your business might be doing many, many years down the road. That's a, that's a great point, Michael. Yeah. Um, developing a game plan, uh, just like in a football game or, or anything else, is really important. Understanding what you're trying to get, tr what you're trying to succeed at. You don't necessarily have to win everything, but you want to succeed in, in, in following your game plan and getting what you need. Yeah, you're not going to win the Super Bowl without planning, right? <laughs> well, what are some of the research items that, that you might do as a tenant rep uh, to help your, your tenant choose and, and negotiate a lease on a particular building? Another, another great question. One of the things is to understand the building's current status in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Again, this is often overlooked by, most, by many brokers. Mm -hmm. um, is the building for sale? Has the building just recently changed hands and has a new owner? Those two points alone can have a significant impact on the financial considerations that are being offered and, and, and can be achieved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and the, um, the capital stack can be important, right? Uh, does it have a loan coming due soon? And if the building has some vacancy, uh, you might want to know about that, right? A absolutely. The, yeah. the, the landlord's financials impact the tenant's concession package and, and deal points to negotiate. Stuart, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate oh, it. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Thank you. If you'd like more from Stuart, uh, visit bullrealty.com. And uh, I'd like to let you know there's some great conferences coming up from the good folks at IMN. Be sure to check out their events and their schedule at imn.org. Uh, another reminder, uh, if you need new or used office furniture, uh, do what I did. We, we got new furniture, and not used, but we got new furniture from Atlanta Office Liquidators. Uh, they buy furniture and sell. You're invited to join us next week. Uh, we'll be talking about the retail sector. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. IMN, Information Management Network, has some outstanding conferences coming up. Two for the securitization industry, January 21st through 24th in Vegas, and January 27th and 29th in Dallas. For more information, visit imn.org. That's imn.org. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Atlanta Office Liquidators, new and used furniture liquidators, France Media, publications and conferences, and Bull Realty Commercial Brokerage, a great place to do business. For more information on these companies or to access additional podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.